All right, thank you guys. Are you okay? I was worried sick about you. Um, I just want, you know, I just want to let the, the band know I appreciate you uh, and the, the time that you take to come and prepare and, and, and pr- practice. And sometimes I come in here and you may feel like I yell at you because I want something changed a little bit. Uh, but I, I really think y'all, y'all do well and I appreciate it. So, right? Amen at all? Amen? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, one more thing. If you don't have a Bible, I, well, I've got some that are for free. I've got more than these two in my hands. I'd love to give to you. You can grab at the end of church, church service. I'm going to have these sitting on the stage. If you don't have one of your own, man, I'd love for you to have one that you can take home, and it's, it's yours. So these are just down there. If we need more, just let me know, and I'll be glad to get more. Um, what, what book are we in? Philippians. Okay, are y'all ready for this? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Are we sort of sitting up? It helps us to sort of sit up, be, to be ready, to be keyed in. If you've got your Bible, and I hope you do. Well, we are in the book of Philippians. We're in chap, chap, chapter 4. Who wrote the book of Philippians? Paul. Paul wrote it. Where was Paul when he wrote, he wrote the book? He was in, uh, first thing, what city was he in? And where was he in Rome? In jail. He was in jail in Rome. And who did he write to? The church at Philippi. Now, important co- uh, context uh, note that I, I need to teach you real quick or to explain to you. Uh, and, and just a phrase here, co- context is what? King. So my high schoolers should know that from our small. Context is king. You, when you take the word of God, you better understand the, co- the context, where it was written, who it was written to, what is before it, what is, is past it. So you don't take a, a verse and misuse the verse. That's how you, you treat the word of God well. So I've got a map we're about to throw on the, on the screen here. Uh, take a look at this map. And this is, this is Rome here. Uh, and this is Phil, Phil, Philippi. Now, if I, wanted, if I had a friend right now in Phil, 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 Philippi and I had their cell number or whatever, how long would it take me to talk to them? Could I get them in less than a minute, you think? No. no. I bet I could. If I had the, their number speed dial and I didn't have to use my glasses and I could see it, I could do it pretty quick. If they were expecting my call, they could get me in 15 sec- seconds we could be on the phone. We could, and we are much further away from Rome than, than, you know, than, than Rome is. So how long do you think it took for a, a letter to get from Rome to Phil- Philippi? 480 days, what? You go ahead, guess. No, I was just saying it. You don't have a guess? Oh, why'd you raise your hand? Well, you just wanted to wave at me? Well, I've never seen you speak spe- speechless before. This is beautiful. I love it. Oh, what we got? Uh, four months. Four months, okay. Six months. Six months. And this shows you the, the route that they would go. This is the quickest route they would go. A year. A year. A couple years. A couple years. Three months. Three months. Year and a half, y'all are getting further away from the truth. It's 18 days. 18 days. So, so now if, if they went by land, if they did this across here and then took a boat here and went across there, it would take 67 days. 
But because boats were so quick, they would do this long route around and they would make it. If it was the best time, it would be 18 days. Sometimes with, with what, whether it would be more than that. So I want you to understand the context. If they wrote Paul a letter and Paul wrote back to them, it's probably about 40 plus days at least from when they first wrote to him when he re- responds and they get word back from him. Do we get that? This is important for where we are in this letter. You won't... Un- understand our text unless you understand that point. Now, I love it uh, how we sort of preach through a book. We're in the book of Philippians now, chapter 4. We do it, one, because I want you to understand and learn the book, to know the context of the book. I do it as well because it's hard to try to figure out what to preach each week. And when you do a topic, you want to do something and you're trying to figure out what, it's, it's sort of hard, but when you just sort of work through the text, you just sort of take what's next. And I love how sometimes when we take what's next, it is so exactly what if I could pick something to preach on, it is exactly what our group needs to hear. So when I'm going to speak tonight, some of you are going to think I am stepping on your toes. But I'm going to speak, I'm speaking very broad here because if, if you deal with this and this has partly in, been in your life the past few months, it's been a lot of folks' lives the past few few months. It's not just you. So when I'm speaking from up here, a lot of times I don't have a face or a situation in mind. I might know of six or eight. And of, of this case right here, I know of six or eight things within our, our, our youth group, how it affects it. Okay, so deal. So I'm not trying to crush your toes. I just want to teach this truth so you can get past it. Because if we can get past it, then we can be a force for Christ. You good? Yeah? yeah. You with me still? Yeah. I didn't lose you. I lost a few. Okay, good. Anybody here ever deal with, with drama? drama? Oh, no, never, never, never. You know, this is, this is the truth. Um, and you will have seasons in your life where there will be a lot of drama. You just can't get away from it. And then there are going to be times in your life when there's just not that much of it. You seem to sort of miss it. It rolls past you. It doesn't affect you. And as I thought about where we are in the text today, I had a flashback. To high school. I had a flashback to June 23rd, 1989. I know. You're thinking, man, he was in high school then? He was like four when he was in high school. I know. Okay. That's the actual real day. I was with my friend Gary. He was my friend who had actually brought me to church and led me to the Lord the year before that. We had just gotten finished with. High school, praise the Lord, I had made it through. I was 17, going to be 18 in just a few months. And I talked with my friend that day, and we were going to go out and do something because a Friday night you can't just hang out at the house. You know, at least we couldn't in my house. My parents would be like, get out. You know, so, so I, I talked to my friend. Yeah, we've got plans. We didn't have cell phones or beepers. I don't even know what those are. We just had to, hopefully they were home at their landline with this thing, you had to dial like this, you know, it was weird. Y'all seen probably some of those clips. And so I I called my friend at like one and yeah, man, we're going to do something. Get the guys got to do something great. I call him back and talk to him around five or six. And he's like, man, I just don't feel real good tonight. I I think I'm not going to go out tonight. So, So what do you say? Loser? You know, you don't say that at all. You say, okay, that's cool. And at that point, I was like, it's six or seven. I'm like, man, I don't want to be stuck here at the house tonight. I'm just going to go see a, a movie. Anybody here ever go to a, a movie by yourself? Four people, two people. Okay, I'm with you. 
you are brave. Some people are just like, I could never do that. You know, what if popcorn falls on me from heaven? You know, you're, I don't know what you're scared of. So, so Batman with Michael Keaton and Jack Nick, 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 Nick Nicholson. This is a very unimportant part of the story. But, but that was opening on that night. And so I thought, I'll just go. There's a big crowd there. I'll just go watch it. And so I go. It, for the time, it's a pretty good film. It doesn't compare to some ones we have now, but it was good for, it was good for a Friday night with no, no plans. As I'm walking out of the theater, I bump in to Gary. And, and all... And wait, what were you saying? That's say, And a bunch... A bunch of our friends. Oh, see, uh, y'all are feeling me, aren't you? And I, and I, I don't know if you've ever been in a spot, but sometimes you're going to be in a spot like that. But I felt about that big. And I was ticked. I was mad. I was about to, you know, and I, but I, did, I didn't let that show. We were, there's a big crowd of people. I didn't want to, like, like do a gang fight in front of everybody. You know what I'm saying? So, um. So, but you know what occurred with, with that? Because I could have been ticked for a very long time. But after four days, I just forgave my friend because it just wasn't worth it. He just sort of wanted a break from me. And sometimes we just need breaks from each, each other. I didn't, it took me a little bit while to sort of get past it. I was still hurt, but I was just going to go, well, it's just not worth hanging on to. You got a question? What movie was it? Bat, Batman with Michael Keaton and Jack Nich- Nicholson. Sorry, Batman. Sorry, I stuttered on it. It was my fault. It's not, not you. It was me. It was me. I need to fix this. Anyways, <clears throat> so we all deal with drama. And I, I can, can I say sometimes it, 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 it stabs really deep. The people, sometimes the people you trust the most will hurt, they will hurt you the most. And a lot of times they may not mean, mean to, and it's a word said here or thing done here or there. But it stings the most because they mean the most to, 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 to you. But there's a point when we've got to learn to get past it and deal with drama. We're going to be in a text tonight that, man, it's, to me it's an incredible text of what Paul does here. Uh, and I don't want to give it away, but we're going, to, we're going to stand up and read in Philippians 4. Stand with me. We're just going to read verses 1 through 5 together. When I say read to, together, that means you follow along. Never try to... Um, to uh, repeat a stuttering guy because that can go very bad very quickly. So, this is what it says in verse 1. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my, bro- my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my bu- be- 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 beloved. I entreat you, Youdia, and I entreat you, Sintichi, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also... True companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth tonight. Lord, help us to not just see your truth or not just even understand your truth. But, Lord, may we apply it to our lives. May we be a force for you, not that we look better, but that you look great to a world that needs to see you. 
For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, have a seat. You know what I love about this text? First and foremost, and it's probably wrong of me to say this, but the church has problems. I've worked in the church for 25 years, and I've never seen a month where there weren't problems in the church. And a lot of folks are like always going, oh, if we could just go to Acts 4 when the church first formed and how they broke bread together and they, they shared everything. and they did, If we can just be that again, then, man, everything would be just great. But I want you to know that the church had problems even back then. And when I know that the church was a wreck back then, and I see the church now, in a lot of ways the church is sort of a wreck now, I go, well, God could use a church from back then. God can still use the church now. And we're not alone in what we're, we're, we're doing. So, so we understand the church is made up of pe- people, and people are sinful. We're redeemed, or at least some in the church are. Uh, there are some that, that have not put their faith in Christ, but some are changed. But even those that are redeemed by Christ, we still struggle and fall, right? Yes? Or am I alone? I'm the only redeemed one that's fallen here. Okay, I'll just make sure a couple of people. Just, just I need a nod or something. All right, so question one I have for you. How does Paul feel about the church of Phil, 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 Philippi? From what we just read, how does he feel about it? Does he, A, hate the church, B, put up with the church, C, like the church, D, love the church, E, super duper love the church? What do you think the text says? Dude, he loves this church. Look at what it says in verse 1. He says, my brothers who I, long, who I love and long for. Okay, so he says right there, man, I, I love you. Then he says this. He says, my, who are my joy and my crown. What does that mean, my joy and my crown? My, my joy means this. Man, when I think of that, about you, it's not like an uh, infatuation type of love. It's a deep, man, I am so thankful for these people in my life. It's a deep appreciation for them. Don't get it confused with um, you who might be in the seventh grade and uh, you have this boyfriend who you're in love with, uh, and he's amazing, and you've been together now, and it's going to be forever, but for three days, four hours, and two and a half minutes, and, it's just, he, and you know everything about him, and it's just going to be perfect. Uh, that's infatuation. Uh, and tomorrow you'll be dumped for Cindy Lou Who. Sorry. Um, it's that deep affection uh, that God, that, that you see between a, a, a man and wife when they're out somewhere else or even they're apart, whoever they're with, they're talking about their spouse and things they love about their spouse. It's the parent that, that when they're out and they're eating with a friend, all they can do is talk about their kids because they're my joy and, and stop it, sweetheart. They're, they're, my, they're my joy and my, and my crown. They're, they're what I am so thankful they're in my life that's so he's saying is he gushing here paul is gushing right um a a bubble just that was pretty cool i'm bubbling paul's gushing so so and then and then he goes on and says this my beloved those whom i love so paul's saying hey church i love you i rejoice in you i'm so proud of you i can't stop boasting about you and oh by the way if you didn't know i love you that's a lot of love right there right so he says all of this stuff. So we understand how, how he feels about the church. And then he says this in verse 2. I 
entreat you. And this name is a weird name. It's, it's Youdia. Everybody say Youdia. It's like Youdia, right? Youdia. Okay. I don't know if you do that in the in the in the accent. Uh, uh, and then, so I entreat you, Youdia. I entreat you, Sintikai, to agree in the Lord. Entreat means beg. I plead with you. I beg you to agree in the Lord. I want you to take whatever disagreement you have and fix it. I want you to to heal this thing up. Do do, do you see what Paul just did there? Did did you see this? This is a letter to who? The church. And what did he just do? Called out Yehudia and Sintikai and said, Hey, hey, y'all. Quit fighting and get along in the Lord. Stop it. But he calls him out by name. Now, don't forget, this letter, word must have come to him in the last one. Hey, you know, those two, they're still at it again, or they're, they're still, they're, they've begun to fight. And so he's, it's been 40 days, evidently, this fight has been going on before they will get word from Paul on him saying to, hey, cut it out. So it's been going on for a while. Sounds a lot like drama. Does it not? Yeah. You know, I, you, you know it's bad when the leader calls you out in front of everybody. You know that's bad. Like, I, I could go, you know, I've, I've got a list here, uh, and I wrote a list of, of Mercy Hill student ministry drama for the past six months. And I was just going to read through this list. Because Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So I've taken that literally. Y'all would, okay, I'm not going to do that. A third of you are so relieved right now that you can finally start to breathe again, but your head's a little bit light because you were like, oh, dear Lord, I'll never show my face up here again. A third of you are relieved because you were worried about your friend. And you're like, oh, don't crush him. Don't crush him. A third of you are like, oh, man, I wanted to hear something. <laughs> probably half. Probably half. I'm probably, I was being nice by saying that there, man. I wanted to hear some juice. I want to see him squirm, man. Come on. This is church. Get to church. I just think it's interesting. Don't miss that. Paul calls them out in front of everybody. And sometimes there's a time and a place when something won't resolve itself that that has to take place. I'm convinced of that. Now is not that time. Sorry, those who are like, ah, I wanted to. This would have been a great service if we'd have done that. Now, 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 don't miss this either. Throughout this letter, Paul's been writing about some huge things. In Philippians 2, 5 and 6, says, Have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not count equality of God something to be grasped. Talking about, hey, have this attitude of Christ. In, in Philippians 2, 15, he says, hey, do all things without grumbling and complaining in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. He says, shine like stars in the heavens. Man, man, be bright. So he's saying these huge concepts. And he even goes on in Philippians 3, 7. But whatever gain I had, I count now as lost for the sake of Christ. Some deep theological concepts and truths. And all of a sudden he says, hey, Yehudia, Sintikai, get along. Come on, work it out. And it's sort of weird because he's been saying huge, lofty things. And all of a sudden he jumps into this little personal relationship. 
And I thought, why? And from what I understand of Paul's writings, I think I can safely say this. And what I've seen in the church, I know I can experientially say this. Paul knew the greatest hindrance preventing the gospel doesn't come from outside the church. It comes from inside the church. The greatest hindrance, the greatest thing that's going to stop the gospel isn't from outside the church. It's not the media. It's not the, the, what they say on the news or it's not those that march for this or that or those at school that make fun of you or mock you or, or, or atheists that don't believe in God. They will not stop the gospel. Since Christianity began, when people have tried to stop it, that's when it's flourished. That's when they say the cream rises to the top because when the church has been attacked those who really don't believe fall away from the church because they were never really a part of it. But those who do believe, they will give their life to, to share Christ and to live for Christ and to make his name great. And when they, the world sees that, they go, oh, there's something there. I want there's, so, there's something real there. So understand, Paul knew the gospel isn't hurt from the outside. It's hurt from the inside. And drama is one of those big things that wrecks a church or a group from the inside where you will have no effect on the outside. Now, then it says this in verse 3. <clears throat> he says, yes, uh, I ask you also, true comp- companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the g- gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow work." Work, work, workers whose names are in the book of life. So point one, Paul knew that the gospel can be hurt from the inside of the church. But this is what he also knew. The best solution for dr- drama in the church is from action and intervention within the church. The outside of the church can't help you. The body of Christ is the one that have to step up and help and speak up. It's not about picking sides. It's about making Christ great. It's like who cares in the end of the story that, that I shared. That my friend just didn't want me around that night at the movies. And I ran to him and I caught him. Who, in the end, what's more important? That through our friendship, I know of three or four guys that we were able to lead to the Lord together within the next six months. Was it better that we repaired it quick or should we just let it? I should have just been mad for a while. Don't let drama stop the gospel from moving. In verse 3, Paul is, is writing about a true companion in the church. This could be a few things. They're not, the, the word for true companion there is a word named syzygios. Something like that. Don't ask me to repeat it because that would be bad. Uh, and he, so it's either a personal name of a guy. Or it means true companion, or it's an elder in the church. But many believe it's it's Luke, one of the twelve doctors. That's right, doctors. Don't don't go disciples. He was one of the twelve doctors. They think it was Luke because Luke was known to be there a lot, and 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 Luke wrote the book of Luke and the book of. Acts, so we know. So, so this where he's, he's talk, talk, talking to in verse three very well could be Luke, and this is what he's saying to Luke: Hey, help, 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 help him out. Hey, these two late, 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 ladies, and this isn't just 
He's, he's heaping on ladies because they're the only ones with drama. <laughs> I wish. Not near the case. It's just, it's just what's going on at this church at, at the time. So, he's saying you need to help. So can I tell you, everybody in this room, if you're a part of the church, if you have faith in, in Jesus Christ, especially if you're a part of this youth group right here, even if you're new or if you've been here a, a long time, do you understand that you are called to help? You are called to intervene. Why? Because it's for the sake of the gospel. It's not just some fight and we've got to pick sides. It's to solve this up so the gospel can be shared wherever we go. So how do you do this? How do you help? Step number one, stop the gossip. The little talking here, did you hear what they did? Oh, did, did you know that? I can't believe that. Hey, I, I want to pray for you. Can you tell me what all went down? I mean, sometimes we use like a, like a prayer as a, like an inside line to get the scoop, and we're not doing it for prayer. We just want the, the juice. Because a lot of times, and don't get me wrong, but we want to hear the juice because it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves. We hear someone else, they're having an issue. Well, I'm better than that. But that's, as a Christian, as a believer, that's the wrong attitude. And, we, and stop the gossip. So what I mean is this. When you hear it, don't just walk away from it. Walk away. I don't want you to be a part of it, step one. But I want you to stop it. I want you to speak up. If you are, anybody here ever sit beside a camp campfire before? Yeah, most everybody have. Have you ever like stared at the flame and just sort of zoned out? And it's one of the best things, just sit and it's cold night, just staring at, at that flame. You, you could be around a bunch of friends. You don't need to say a whole lot. It's just sort of a good time. It's just, okay, you can put your hand down. Thank you. Uh, it's just a relaxing time. But have, have you ever seen an, an ember pop out of the fire? So if you're around a campfire and an ember about yay big pops out, glowing red hot, lands on this dry brush. You're out in the middle of the woods. There's just a big pile of hay that someone stuck right by the fire. Shouldn't have. And it lights it on fire. And then there's a big dry field and the the woods are about to to go down in flames. If you see it pop out of the fire, are you going to go, I didn't do it. I'm just going to stay away from it. What are you going to do? Stomp it, right? You're going to stomp, stomp. I don't know what that was. You're going to stomp it out, right? You're, you're going to... If there's a few of y'all, it might be a few of y'all. And you're, even as you stomp, I want you to understand, when you stomp, you sometimes step on toes, but you're trying to get the fire out. Ooh, that's amen. That thing will preach. Hey, hey. So what do you do? You're just going to watch and let it... Oh, look at that. Oh, that fire's bigger now. That's great. Because when we walk away, that's like what we're doing. And we got to stomp it out. It'll cost you to stomp it out, though. People won't always like it. Step two, don't just stop the, the gossip. Seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. If you hear of something, and this is important, wisdom comes from knowledge of the Word of God and experience, use of that knowledge. And your peers don't have wisdom with experience. Experience. You might have the Word of God. You might even have one of the friends that's, well, they're a little more mature than everybody. They still don't have it like an adult does. And sometimes you just need to talk to an adult, go, and something has to be done because this fire is getting out of hand and I can't stomp, stomp, stomp it out. 
seek wisdom. You've got to intervene. You've got to help. Third thing is be a peacemaker. The word of God, I don't have this scripture with me, but throughout it talks about being a peacemaker, that we're called to be peacemakers. When someone's not getting along, we are, number one job supposed to step in and try to help fix. Hey, I'll I'll go with you to go meet with them and talk with them. Or I'll I'll go with you to go talk with with Dan. And I, I don't know everything, but I've messed up enough that I can help you out a whole lot of ways. I've learned from, from those ways that I've messed up. And there's other adults in your life that you might go, hey, let, let's go talk to him or to her, and let's see if we can sol- solve this. Y'all are called, we are called to intervene. And then it says this. Paul writes a familiar verse, if you've been in the Word much, and we usually don't tag it to this text we just read, but... I, I'm just reading through the text, and this is what it says next. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Have you ever been in a room, usually a smaller room like a house or or someplace, and one person has just gotten in a huge fight with somebody else, and one person is already there, and someone else walks in the room, and there's only about five or six of y'all, and all of a sudden they walk in, it just gets all thick. You know, intense, awkward. Yes, no, yeah. not a great spot. You're like, no, no, and people are starting to pick. No, you can't pick sides. You're in the room. What, what do you do? You're panicked. Don't want to hurt feelings, but I'm going to hurt feelings. Matthew five twenty three and twenty four says this. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. I want you to know point three is rejoicing in drama or disharmony do not dwell in the same room. If you're in a room where there's disunity, there's drama, there's not going to be rejoicing. I might not say you can't have joy in your life. I'm just saying there will not be rejoicing. It just doesn't mix. It's just like that room where two people walk in and they don't get along and it's awkward and it feels strange. These things don't fit together. And Matthew, he says, man, if you've got, someone's got something against you that you know about, don't bring your offering to the Lord. If you're going to do that, stop and go make things right. Go make your attempt to make things right. And once you've done that, then come back and give your offering to to the Lord. Because we got to do this solution. It's got to come from within. We've got to intervene, but we've got to understand. We won't rejoice and have this joy that we're supposed to have in the Lord if we're having this drama attached to our life. Uh, when relationships with fellow believers become splintered or Fractured, and we do nothing to reconcile or to make it right, then this re, no, the re, relationship be, be, between us and God is not se- severed, but it suffers. Okay, nothing can separate you. If you've got a relationship with Christ, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. But if you are in, in, in disunity with a fellow believer, your relationship with God will struggle and su- su- suffer. So in order to rejoice, you've got to be in agreement and harmony with other believers. You've got to. And sometimes you're going to have to lay your pride down, let your hurt go, 
and move forward the best that you can, as much as you can. And you're going to find that this bitterness and these things that wreck your life will start to go away. And this rejoicing will return. But you've got to start somewhere. And then in verse 5, we're going to end here. It says this. Let your reasonableness be evident to all or, or to known to everyone. This says the Lord is at hand or the Lord is near. And the better translation there for that word reasonableness, which is a very big word. We don't use that word very often. uh, Is graciousness with humility. So let your graciousness with humility be known to everyone. Uh, Mercy Hill students and all that are in this room right now. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, may we not be known for our drama or our disharmony or our quarreling or fighting, but may we be known for our joy and our gracious humility. Someone wrongs me. You you know what that means? Man, that hurt, but... And I've wronged Christ so many, so many more times than I can count than, than this person could ever wrong me. Grace, that's how you do it. You take the forgiveness that you've re- received from Christ and you bend it outward. If you've been changed by Christ, if you say, man, my life's been changed by Christ, you take this, that forgiveness that comes, and you give it out. This pet 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 passage calls us to do one of three things. One, one is this, and you may need to do this tonight. And I urge you, if God is speaking to you about doing one of these things, don't wait. I'll do this in a couple days. You need to, to deal with this soon, or you will not. You will, you, your heart will go cold, and you, you will walk away from it. One is you may need to repent. You might have gone, man, I think I... For some of the drama he's talking about, and I'm not talking about one thing, just to let you know. I know about six to eight within our group the past couple months. And you might need to go, man, I just need to repent first first to God and say, God, I'm sorry for my part. I'm sorry for what I've done wrong in this. Uh, And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And repent doesn't just mean confess your sin. It means your sin is here, and I'm sorry for this sin, and I'm going to turn my back to it. I'm going to walk this way. You can't be like, I'm sorry for my sin, but I'm going to keep it close and just stay right here. I'm good. I'm not going to go back to it. I'm just going to stay here close to it. Repent means you're moving away from it. Because if you're not moving away, you're not really sincerely sorry for that sin. You might need to repent. And that's to God first and foremost. Second thing, you might need to reconcile. Drama breaks relationships. When we pick sides, relationships get 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 skewered and hurt. <clears throat> See the relationships that are wrong or or rocky. Do what you can to make them right. Reconcile. Ask for and extend forgiveness with graciousness and humility. Reconcile. Try, try, try to make things right. Third, and this is this is for most of you in this room. I think we all can learn is intervene. 
intervene. Quit sitting and go, wait, it's not my business. Man, this, they're wrecking. This is, this is bad. If you're a part of the church, Paul knew it. He was like, man, we as a church have to be in agreement if we're going to be a force. If the gospel is going to be shared, we've got to work together as a team. You may need to intervene either by great, gracious, humble words or bringing in wisdom, whether it's, it's someone who's walked the road a little bit longer than you have to help solve the problem. Bring people together. God calls us to fix this. God calls us to be one body of Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for this group. God, it's sort of a a heavy in some ways things to talk about, but God, we do not want your gospel to be hindered by drama and disunity. And God, may we all uh, take steps, whether we need to repent, whether we need to reconcile and extend the hand uh, of forgiveness, or if we need to intervene and help uh, and do what we can. But Lord, may we have courage to speak up. May we have hearts of mercy and grace. Lord, remind us of how you saved us and changed us. And may we share that with everybody we meet. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.